Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Topic Talk podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Hartness. I'll talk mostly about sports while I'm here. Dive into some other topics as I see fit. A lot of random stuff. Uh, lots of basketball. Probably some football sprinkled in. More of a basketball expert, so I'm going to stick to my guns there. Uh, don't mind if I ever go off on into the rabbit hole. I'll make it back eventually. Sometimes I just like to dive deep, look at trends of things. Uh, today we'll go over some NBA scores, uh, rookies I'm looking at, some surprising starts for some of the teams that are in the NBA, uh, look at some college basketball news that just dropped earlier today, and then I'll try to get into some college football and uh, take a look at my top six before we get into the second half of the season or as we get into the second half of the season and uh, playoff rankings start coming out so first we'll just look at some some NBA scores that happened last night it was a pretty good night we got to watch one game got to watch a jazz game which I'll talk about them here in just a little bit uh Portland beat the Lakers 106-104. Hornets beat the Hawks 126-109. Cavaliers beat the Wizards 117-107. The Jazz beat the Pelicans 122-121. The T-Wolves beat the Thunder 116-106. Warriors beat the Kings 130-125. And the Clippers lost to the Suns 112-95 in the last game of the night. Now, looking at those, kind of gets into the surprising starts of the year as the Lakers are now 0-3 after losing to the Trailblazers. LeBron still playing great. I mean... Even at near 40, he's still averaging, I think, 30 a game. Or at least close to it. He's obviously still the leader, but they definitely have a lot of problems that I don't think they may have seen coming. They definitely don't have a team built for LeBron James. And if with him being at almost 40... He's getting near retirement age. It's about time you make some moves because he's going to want to win. And right now, they they don't look like a team that can even make the playoffs. And that's going to be three years that LeBron's been in L.A. and they'll miss the playoffs if they miss this year. They won the championship in the bubble. The next year... They got booted from the playoffs by the Phoenix Suns. But that's, that'll be three years that they'd miss the playoffs if they miss this year, which that first year he was there, he got hurt. They didn't have Anthony Davis yet. So that's a big reason, obviously, that they missed that first year. As for the other team, the 76ers are also 0-3. Joel Embiid, James Harden, both healthy. Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey supposed to make a huge jump. 
But as a team, they just... Not yet. It's not happening yet. Which they've played some pretty good teams so far to play the season with Celtics, Bucks. Although the loss to the Spurs, that's... Well, I mean, I guess you had 82 games, so anything can happen, but... The Spurs are not supposed to be good. Well, no one figured them to be good, obviously, coming into the season. And then you have the the biggest, biggest surprise by far would be the Utah Jazz sitting at 3-0. And everyone kind of figured, I think, once they traded Gobert, traded Donovan Mitchell, traded Bogdanovich, it was over. Like, they, they're rebuilding. They're going to look terrible. They're going to look like a... Like a bad team. They're going to look like they're going to win maybe 10 games. And here they are. They're playing. And they're playing hard. I watched that game last night against the Pelicans. And, I mean, they let the Pelicans come back. Even without Zion, without Ingram. But they finished. Even it went to overtime and they finished. I mean, you can't really... You can't really ask for more from a team that might be a little less talented than almost every other team. But, man, Lauren Markin balling out. Jordan Clarkson balling out. Like, Lauren Markin might be the most improved player in the league this year. He might be able to hit that reward if he keeps going at the rate he's going right now. Um... After some rookies, this is where I like to dive in the most. This is where I like to pay attention the most are the rookies every year. And I really like last year's class. I was really big on them. Really big on Jalen Suggs. He's struggled so far to begin his career, but I think he'll eventually get to the speed of the game of the NBA, get to shooting better. But he's got a he's got a future in this league, so great defender, strong kid. But some rookies this year that I'm really liking. Obviously, I'm a Pacers fan, so I'm huge on Benedict Matherin because I think he's an absolute dark horse to be able to win Player of the Year or Real Rookie of the Year. Obviously, Banchero is the front runner, as he should be, and right now he's obviously killing it. I think Matherin, he keeps going the way he's going. I think I think he can win Rookie of the Year. Especially, I think the Pacers, well, they'll probably be competing with the Magic for worst record in the East. I mean, it'll probably be Indiana, Detroit, and Orlando sitting near the bottom, probably struggling, which is fine. I mean, me personally, you got to tank for Victor. If you're the Pacers. If you want to take that next step, you need that next dude to go right next to Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin. Give it three years. You're going to be good. Uh, Jaden Ivey. Obviously watched him quite a bit since he was at Purdue. Killed Indiana multiple times. Super athletic. Obviously he just has to be able to get a shooting down just like anyone else. Most rookies that come in, got to get his handle tighter. But 
that kid, the explosiveness he has is going to push him to be able to be all-star caliber player in the future. Uh, as for Banchero, I mean, the kid's 6'10", 250, 20 years old. Powerful, athletic, pretty much score from all three levels. Like, he's a rookie that can body up pretty much everybody in the league. And that's kind of unheard of. So, I mean, whenever he's going to end up being all NBA, because, I mean, by the time he gets older, there's LeBron will be retired, Durant will be retired. All of those forwards ahead of him are much older. Most of them, so they'll be all, all retired, and he'll be the next, next guy in line. Try to take over the league, be the face of the league. One of them, another rookie I've been watching, see how he progresses. Been Shaden Sharp, just because. Uh, I mean, obviously, I have a bunch of friends that are Kentucky fans, but he. He was one I paid attention to to see what would happen while he was at Kentucky. He obviously didn't go play. And then in summer league, he played. I don't think he played at all in the summer league. I think I think he basically got hit there too. Jumped the preseason. I think he only played five minutes before getting hurt. Now he's looked a lot better as the season it has gone along. I mean, just whenever you sit out for that long, it takes a lot for be able to get that feel back. And especially whenever you're jumping from, he's effectively jumping from high school to the NBA, but he hasn't he hadn't played for over a year of competitive basketball. So there's even more of a gap to where he's at other than just practicing and shoot arounds and maybe pick up games or whatever that were happening over the summer. So I mean for him it's I mean it's gonna take a little bit. Um another another big ten kid I was watching was Johnny Davis, but it doesn't seem he's gonna be in the plans for for the Wizards early on. Which is fine. I mean, if you want to kind of sit him back behind Beal, keep him on the bench, because he's not played a game yet. He hasn't played any minutes yet. You want to kind of sit him back there, let him learn, get adjusted, ready to go. It's probably a smart idea. I mean, most rookies, most rookies, it takes a few years to be able to get from bench to an average producing NBA player. And I don't think anybody should ask him to be trying to put up 20 as a rookie. And here in five years, he still may not be that, but he might be a 10-point-a-game guy who comes off the bench, just plays defense. He might do that next year. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And now... Want to get into the uh, the big news that I loved 
just because I'm hoping I'm hoping this is all the start to something great because I am an Indiana basketball fan big Indiana basketball fan and earlier today while setting our lunch got on Twitter Trace Jackson Davis had been named to the AP All-American first team which is huge uh, I I think Cody Zeller was the last, I think the last first team All-American that we, that we had. And so, this is, and that year we were good, won the Big Ten obviously, so hopefully that's what we're going for this year. I mean, we are the favorites right now, but super tough schedule, super tough schedule in the beginning, but the Big Ten schedule is going to be tough. They get through that and win the Big Ten. There was no doubt that they were the best team. Um, joining him was Oscar, obviously returning Player of the Year. Kentucky top five team again. Just stuff they were used to with Kentucky. Different team than normal. Not as many freshmen, although they have two. Two stud freshmen. One of them, uh, I think Wallace. Probably going to be pretty good. Probably one and done. But I think Kentucky's going to have a chip on their shoulder, obviously, last from last year after getting beaten the first round by this St. Peter's Peacocks. So I think that's going to be a big, big chip on their shoulder, especially for Oscar coming back for his last year, after even after winning Player of the Year, which is... I'm not sure the last player of the year, college basketball player of the year, that came back after winning that award. I think most of them just decide that's it and hop to the NBA. So it's pretty pretty cool, really, even as an Indiana fan, but to see Kentucky finally getting some veterans rather than just being ran by freshmen. And even he's a fun guy to watch. I mean, the dude just hustles, grabs every rebound there possibly can be. I think he averaged 15 a game last year. They're, I mean, how many dudes in college basketball aren't even averaging 15 points a game? Most of them. The vast majority of college basketball. Probably 90%. Like, just grabbing rebounds. Same could be said for the next guy. Armando, North Carolina, going in number one, set the record for the most most AP preseason number one selections with 10 now, passing their R-Travel Duke. And they're kind of looking in the same way. Obviously, they made it to the championship game last year. They were... They struggled a little bit during the season. Off the, they hit the eight seed, made it to the championship game. Just, but they're getting a lot back. I mean, whenever you get your stud big man back, but then you also get your stud guards back, who are averaging. I think Caleb Love was averaging seventeen a game last year. Like, you can't really ask for much more. Whenever you get that kind of production out of kids who could have just left, and you get it back. Uh, Drew Timmy's coming back, obviously, and he's going to be on the first team. 
And to no surprise, I mean, Gonzaga is going to be yet good yet again. Obviously, they'll probably dominate their conference. That's nothing abnormal for them. I I don't think they've lost a regular season conference championship in the. Oh, I think the WCC in I don't know how many years. They just maybe once, maybe once like St. Mary's or something. But I mean, he's gonna average eighteen or whatever again, seventeen, eighteen a game. Maybe more. Maybe now with Chet gone, maybe he'll have to take on more of an offensive load. Nimbard's gone, so offensively he might really have to do a lot more. But he's incredibly talented on that end. So I mean, he pretty much do everything. Uh, the other other one was finally a guard. So that was four four centers were on the All American AP team. And I'll talk a little bit about a little bit about that after after I talk about the last guy. But Marcus Sasser is the only guard that's going to be on the that's on the first team All American. Uh, plays for Houston. Houston again under Kelvin Sampson, which I have a lot to say about him, but that's for another day. Ano is, he's got Houston, I mean, top 10 every year. And I think this year they're starting out top five. And Marcus Sasser is a huge, huge reason as to why. Because I think he averaged 17, 18 a game last year. Kid's just a killer. And that team, I mean, they're normally undersized. But they play well. And Kelvin Sampson... For all the crap he did whenever he was at Indiana, all the crap that went on, he's a hell of a coach. I mean, be able to do that. Right now at Houston, before, I, mean, I think they're going to be in the Big 12. I think maybe starting next year or the year, it might be the year after. But Big 12, I mean, they're going to be losing Texas and Oklahoma, but they'll be gaining Houston, so... That's going to be huge for their for their basketball. Um, but to kind of talk about the four centers, and I was talking about, I've talked about this with a friend that I work with, but I just find it kind of odd how college basketball right now, coming into this year, so you have four centers on all first-team All-American team. You have uh, Trace Jackson-Davis, Oscar, um, Baycott, Timmy, but then you also have a few other bigs. I mean, just in the Big Ten, you have um, Dickinson. Uh, I can't think of his name. The kid from Creighton is going to be super good, big dude. But college basketball right now is ran by the big man on so many teams, so many great bigs and centers, and not necessarily the ones that are just. Pulling up, popping trays, acting like a six foot five guard. Like they're centers. They're banging down low, grabbing boards, blocking shots, posting it up on the block, making their moves. And none of these guys are probably going to be first round picks, even though they're stars. 
they're older, obviously. They're all they're all seniors, I think. I think all, every single one of them is either a fourth year, or maybe Timmy might be a fifth year senior. But then you look at the NBA, and it's gone completely away from that kind of center play. Obviously, like you're not gonna have a you're not gonna have a back to the basket. Just feed the man. Just keep feeding, feeding, feeding him. Let him back down. Do his job. Do his work. Hook shots, post fades, face up, little spin to the baseline, dunk. Nothing like that. No, except for maybe Joel Embiid, Giannis. Like you're not getting a whole lot of. It's not the '90s anymore. So you know, there's no Olajuwon, there's no Patrick Ewing, no Shaq. Um. No Tim Duncan once you get on a little bit later into the nineties. Like it's just not there right now. Obviously it's it's a game of the three. Three counts the most. Everybody's gotta be able to shoot the three. If you can't, you're not gonna play a ton. But some of these guys, in my opinion anyways, I think Baycott, Shibway, and Jackson Davis can absolutely not just make a roster, but I think all three of them have starting potential with a role. Not necessarily stars, not all stars, but good role players. I think Trace Jackson Davis, you look at him, they say he's undersized at 6'9", but Robert Williams for the Celtics, 6'8". Six, six, and he plays a role. He rebounds. He blocks shots. Catches lobs. Clint Capella, I think he's 6'10". Grabs rebounds. Blocks shots. Sometimes catches a lot. Like, they set screens. They do their job. And that's things that Trace Jackson Davis can do. He can block shots. He can grab rebounds. He can jump. He can grab some crazy lobs. He did it last year. He's done his four years in Indiana now, or three years in Indiana now. Shibway. I mean, I've said it. I said it before. Dude just grabs every rebound. It's like any rebound that exists, he's grabbing it. And if you're an NBA team and you say that can't be on the floor. I don't know. I just find that kind of ridiculous that you can just say, we can't find a way to keep this man on the floor, even though he continues to out-hustle and out-play the other center and grab every rebound. That just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think he's... I think he's much more talented offensively than maybe he probably get maybe what he gets credit for. Because most people, I mean, you think of Oscar, think of rebounding, but he also averaged 17 a game last year. So he's averaged 17 and 15 to win Player of the Year. Comes back, and I'm not sure if he'll get drafted in the first round. I guess we'll see what happens this year. Obviously. Most of your seniors, unless you're a guard that can just shoot like crazy, 
you're going late second, late first round, second round, if you even get drafted. So maybe, maybe Shibuya pushes his way in. If this is a week, if this ends up being a weaker draft, maybe he pushes his way in. Maybe Trace kind of pushes his way into that late first round. Um, maybe same with Baycott. I don't really know. I haven't been able to dive too deep yet into the NBA draft. What's happening next year, other than Victor's going number one, Scoots is going number two. Outside of that, I haven't really looked. But I think it's just odd to see how college basketball has kind of stuck. Not necessarily stuck, but has gotten back to a point where centers are the dominant players in the country. And it's not that there aren't great guards, because obviously you have a guy like Marcus Sasser. But right now, the the men of college basketball are centers. And those those four four guys, and then like I said, you got other guys like Dickinson Dickinson, uh, you got the kid for Rutgers. It's gonna be super good. Those guys are just they're gonna be dominant, they're gonna be fun to watch, they're gonna be on TV a lot. They're all they're on top fifteen teams. Um, Baycott and Trace Jackson Davis will actually be going up against each other. Uh, November thirty first, so in Bloomington, I believe Kentucky and Gonzaga play. So Timmy and Shibway will be going up against each other. And I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. Those top talents. Not only do we get to see them again in college, but we get to see them play against each other in college. And if everything kind of goes as planned, and it kind of ends up in that three-four seed area, and Kentucky's a one-to-three seed or whatever, if they're, if possible, if they're not on the same seed line, one hundred percent guarantee they're going to be playing and. March Madness, because the committee will just make sure that they play. Whether it's in the Sweet 16, if Indiana's a 4 and Kentucky's a 1, or they're a 2 and a 3, and they'll play in the Sweet 16, they'll play in the Elite 8 if they have to, if they're like a 1 and a 2 or something, they'll find, the committee will find a way to make those two play. It's just, for whatever reason, it's just what they do. Um, move on to the last segment real quick. Uh, looking at some college football. Been a been a fun year so far. Obviously the this past weekend with or not this past weekend, the weekend before that. With Tennessee beating Alabama. Which is just wild, although I think the the after party might have been even crazier as the Students decided to tear down the goalpost and walk it to the river to throw it into the river. I can personally say I've never seen that before. I've seen plenty. I mean, I've seen goalposts tore down, but I've never seen somebody, a group of people, walk out with the goalpost. And I'm surprised they even let them do it. I don't even know how that even happens. No security, no cops or anything. Just they just said throw it in the river. Like, your guys are fine. Just throw it in the river. We're all happy. 
We're in Knoxville. Throw it in the river. We beat Bama. Let's just keep rolling. So I'm going to look at my uh, top six here. Got Georgia, obviously defending champs. Don't know if they're as good as last year, but still undefeated. Still beating teams. Uh, number two, I got Ohio State. Not looking forward to that game whenever they play Indiana because they might put up 70. But as expected, their offense is just crazy with C.J. Stroud, Harrison. They just can put up points. I mean, their defense is strong, but that offense is just wild. And C.J. Stroud in the hunt again for the Heisman, just like he was last year. So, I mean, and you got Tennessee, who obviously just beat Alabama. I got them number three, which, honestly, right now, you can probably put them at one or two. Like, I don't think you're going to go wrong putting these top three into any order. Like, I don't think think anyone's going to disagree to put Tennessee right now at number one. Or Ohio State number one. Or Tennessee two, Georgia three, or whatever. Like, I don't think... I think all three of those are kind of interchangeable right now. Now, obviously, whenever the committee comes along, Tennessee and Georgia will have... If, if those two, even though they play each other, if it's a great game, I think... It's, especially if Tennessee loses. I think if Tennessee loses to Georgia whenever they play this year, Tennessee will have a great case to be able to make the playoff even if they're not in their conference championship game, just like Alabama did a few years ago. So I think Georgia, if they win the SEC, if they go undefeated, win the SEC championship game, which will probably be against Alabama, they win that. I think Tennessee can definitely make it in still. But I think Tennessee gets Georgia. And I'm not sure where they play. But man, that team, that game was fun to, to put up 52 on Alabama. Was just absolutely wild. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a team put up 52 on Alabama. But I was happy to see it that game. And I don't know how you couldn't be. Because, I mean, I, I don't have any ill will towards Alabama, but who doesn't like to cheer for the underdog? And it's something a little bit different to see a team like Tennessee, who's been seeking greatness for a while, seeking greatness again for a little while. It looks like Tennessee plays at Georgia on November 5th. Kentucky before that, then Georgia. But I think I think they can get that. I think they can definitely win that, which might push Georgia completely out of the playoff look, depending on what happens. Because I'm not sure. I don't think their schedule is as strong as tennis, or maybe their wins. Well, they do have a win against Oregon. Well, they whooped Oregon. I remember watching that game. So maybe Tennessee can, or maybe Georgia can make it in, even if Alabama 
still wins out. Those three are... I don't think three SEC teams will get on, but I do think there's going to be a case made, and especially by the committee, obviously by fans, but I think there will be a case made by the committee to get three SEC teams in. And, I mean, all three would deserve it. Uh, My number four is Michigan. They just look good this year. They look... I mean, they had they struggled against Indiana for a half, and then they made us look like a peewee team in the second half. But everything else, they've looked good. they got a strong run game. They have a Heisman candidate running back. QB play is going well. Offense is rolling. Defense is good. Are they as good as those top three? I mean, we'll see them play against Ohio State, so we'll see. I mean, that'll be a huge game for them, obviously, to be able to beat Ohio State back-to-back years for a very good chance to go to the college football playoff because the Big Ten West is, well, the Big Ten West. They're just not very strong this year. And so Michigan likely wins that game, or Ohio State likely wins that game. So whoever wins that game is going to the college football playoff. You can pretty much guarantee that unless something some miracle happens for whatever SEC or for whatever Big Ten West team is in the Big Ten Championship game. Number five, I have Alabama. I still think you could put them at four. It's Alabama. I mean, they're just that talented. They're big, fast, strong. Every year, their backups would be a top 15 team in college football. I mean, this, their second squad. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter if anyone gets hurt or whatever. They're going to be fine. And, once, and luckily for them, Ohio State, Michigan ahead of them play each other. Georgia, Tennessee ahead of them play each other. So, that's going to knock them in. Basically knock them in almost no matter what unless, unless obviously they lose in the SEC championship game. And I don't think you're going to be able to see the committee put a two-loss team right now into a four, a four-team playoff. Once it hits 12, obviously they're going to be in. But sitting right now, they're not going to. Uh, and then at six, Clemson. I don't think Clemson is as good as those other five. Uh, probably closest to Michigan. They're the only team that's benched their quarterback this year. Um, even though their quarterback's played very well all year, he, he struggled in this past game against Syracuse. They will bench him. So I'm sure he'll come back strong. They'll come back strong. Um, but I, I don't know if they stack up as well against those other five. And right now, there's a few teams. I mean, there's a few teams, you know, with outer shots behind them. Maybe USC if they really get back on a roll after after losing to Utah. Maybe Oregon as they get on a roll, which they have this the one loss to Georgia in the first week. So I mean, they have a really good chance if they can win the Pac-12. And they keep moving up if, but I mean, they're going to need teams to lose, obviously. But I mean, they have a shot. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. There's not 
I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement. I mean, I think I think those those top five are going to be your most likely to look at to be able to make that playoff. So we'll wrap it up there. Um, I try to be back on next week. Try to put out another episode next week. So thank you for listening. For everyone that is listening, hope you have a great week, and I'll see you next Monday.